Good morning, Pensacola. Andrew McKay and the Pensacola Morning News starts right now. <laughs> but uh, maybe for winter, uh, we'll, we'll say it that way. Uh, joining us now by phone is uh, we have the uh, superintendent of the Scambia County Schools, Keith Leonard. Keith, welcome to the Pensacola Morning News. And I forget, is this the first time we've had you on since you became superintendent? I can't remember if we did it one time before or not. Yeah, thank you for having me on, Andrew. It is the first time. Oh, yeah. School is only going to be out for winter break. Exactly right. Exactly right. Well, welcome. Uh, I don't think I've said it to you on the airs, obviously. So congratulations on the appointment. Um, I know you and I have talked a little bit uh, offline or whatever, but uh, good to have you on the show this morning. Uh, We had school grades come out. And um, before we talk about what the school grade report actually says, I think it's very useful uh, maybe to give people an idea of how these grades and the tests that produce them are really very different from anything that we've ever done before, which is why they don't even call them school grades. They call them the informational baseline grade for 2023. Can you take a second and explain what was different last year? Because it's very important, I think, for understanding the information we have. Yes, sir. The entire state uh, adopted new student standards for academic learning. So you had new standards. You had a new test. The new test was also a new method in delivering that test. It was progress monitoring where, and I'm going to use the acronym PM. You had PM1 at the beginning of the year, then you had progress monitoring or PM2 right after the uh, end of first semester. And then at the end, you had the assessment, uh, which was known as PM3. For this particular year, you did not have a baseline to be able to establish learning gains. In other words, where did Keith and where did Andrew enter academically in the fourth grade? How did they do on the PM1? What was the expectation of what they should learn during that academic year? Where were they in PM2? And then where did they finally land in PM3? So you would get learning gains. But we do not have learning gains for this year because this is the first test. Right. Um, Administration of this test. We will begin to have school grades at the end of next school year. Hopefully we will get these grades back prior to Christmas break like we're getting this year. What I want to tell our citizens and our community is, of course, we did not wait. We had a good idea Uh, We had expectations of where each school would probably land, where our district would land. But we didn't wait until Monday when we received this school information uh, as far as academic outcomes. We've been working since early, early in the summer to prepare strategic aims for not just each school, but each individual student. And I want to start off by saying thank you to our hardworking teachers, school admin, staff, and most importantly to our students at all school sites for what they've been doing and, more importantly, what they're going to do. One other little tidbit on it. I was was just going to ask, the the other thing I wanted to make sure you talk about is how the test itself, each student is not taking the same test necessarily as their fellow student in the seat next to them, right? 
Well, the progress monitoring is going to be the same information. Okay. What's going to occur after each administration of that progress monitoring is differentiated instruction because you're going to be in a different place academically than I'm going to be in. So working with each kid with differentiated instruction to be able to get them where we feel like they need to be. Um, oh, oh, I meant, I meant other, that, the, I meant that what my understanding is that the test itself, that the tests will change questions as they're taking it based on their success or failure to properly answer the initial set of questions. So students are not even going to be, is that right? It's going to be, or it's going to be oriented to each student, Yeah, but it's going to, it's going to look for mastery more importantly, proficiency. So it's going to get to different levels of questions as the student takes the test yeah. in each progress monitoring session. But the odd thing about this year is they took the end results from 21-22, and they saw what was the percentage statewide of A's, B's, C's, D's, F's, and just like we used to, when we took psychology in, in college, they would have a bell curve. So mm -hmm. if there were 32% of the schools in 21-22 that were A's, this year there was going to be 32% that were A's, regardless of where they actually scored. Oh, okay. Um, and they did the same things for B. You know, if there was 26% of the schools statewide that were B's, I know that there was either one or two percent. I can't remember all the percentages off the top of my head. Okay, yeah. But it, it it's not really if I scored an eighty-two this year, I got an eighty-two. It's where did everybody else in the state score from a school perspective was how we were rated. And you know, we ended up with eleven A's, um, which is to be commended. We had three of those schools improve from B's to A's. We had, uh, I want to say it was 10 Bs, 23 Cs, and then we have seven schools that we've been focused on, whether it be with our school transformation office, our subject area specialist, um, BSI, which is the Bureau of School Improvement from the state. They're really a good partner with us here in Escambia. So all of us working together to improve academically. And I want to say this. And, and and by the way, I, no. I, and I, by the way, just I, I do. I, I give credit to the ones who improved. I mean, Pine Meadow Elementary, Pleasant Grove Elementary, Kingsfield Elementary, Blue Angels went from a C to a B. Myrtle Grove went from a D to a C. Oak Crest and Sherwood went from Ds to Cs. Um, and OJ Sims went from an F to a D. Those are all good things. And you know, as you said, there were about seven, six or seven schools that went the other direction. But to me, it's very interesting to note that, as you said. That's based on bell curving the results because they didn't have a baseline to compare with and they don't know what to assign them. That's interesting. You were going to say something else, but I want to just pause for just a second. We're talking well, to Keith it, Leonard. Uh, hold on just a second, Keith. I want to pause because I want to get traffic on the fives real quick and then we'll come back to you. Go ahead, Jake. Okay, real quick. The uh, the traffic light at um, North Alconies and East Gregory downtown, the red light is blinking at that intersection. Um, treated as a four-way stop until it's repaired. Also, West Jackson Street at New Warrington, uh, we have a vehicle crash there. Eastbound Gulf Beach Highway is backed up to Dog Track Road and Mobile Highway in front of Beulah Elementary School. Uh, we have that zone there, as well as Gulf Breeze High, High School has, has got their school zone this morning. This report is brought to you by Barberry Plumbing. When it's time to call the plumber, call the best of the Bay winner, Barberry Plumbing at 4 477-8782. Keep your traffic tips coming in to 437-1620. News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. Thanks so much, Jake. And uh, to be fair, I didn't mention that Pine Forest went from a D to a C. Again, these grades are don't mean a lot exactly, but uh, Pensacola High went from a B to a C, and Ernest Ward improved from a C to a B. But back to Keith Leonard for the uh, superintendent of Escambia County Schools. Keith, I kind of cut you off. You were about to say, go ahead. 
You you get an A for doing your homework, Andrew. <laughs> You're spot on about where we've made improvement and where we've had some decline. Well, I want to say this, and I agree with you when you say these grades really don't mean a lot. Unfortunately, to some people, they do. Yeah. And uh, what we've got to do is we've got to overcome this perception of of, of of having some schools that are not performing at the level that that we know that they're capable of performing. And what we've got to do is we've got to put the proof in the pudding. And I believe we are working diligently in that direction. Um, it takes all of us. However, when you look at where we're really struggling, it's the old, it's the same old issue. Um, and what we have to do, we've got to get all parties involved. Um, we've got to work with our city government. We've got to work with our county government. We've got to continue to work with the early learning coalition. When you see that less than 50% and a pretty good percentage, less than 50% of our kindergartners enter kindergarten ready to learn, yeah, that's an issue. And I would put our ecosystem of getting those kindergartners that, that were not ready when they got to us to what we do with them in third grade against any other school district in the state of Florida. We just have to do better. And what I was going to say before you, and I'm glad I'm already at work with those, those traffic accidents and the red lights being <laughs> out. Um, it's, it's imperative that our citizens understand and that we, we alleviate any roadblocks from learning. And we're focusing on attendance. We're focusing on behavior. We're yeah. focusing on stability. Um, and we really believe that it will, it will make a difference. And you, you know my background. You know where I come from. Foundation in principles. Uh, you you got you to be strong with your foundation. And that's really what we're honing in on is that educational foundation for not just well, that's good. Um, that's 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 good. And, yeah. and you know, uh, we're just about out of time, but I I did want to ask you a question. It's a hard question. Um, it's it's pains me to have to say it, but if you look at the data in Escambia County, and this is nothing new. I'm not making some fresh observation, but at the back of this report, after all the school grades, it'll tell you the percentage of minority students are in this school, and the percentage of economically disadvantaged students are the free lunch kind of eligibility for students in these schools. And if you then go from that data. And you look at where the school grades are and the graduation rates and the scores on that, you know, the correlation between being poor and black in Escambia County and struggling academically is a bright line. It's unavoidably obvious when you look at the data. And it's been that way for a long time. And, of, of course, it is never any child's fault, whatever circumstances they're born into. So the question is. What more can we do? What needs to be done to fix that? Because that just shouldn't be the case. And what can we do to fix it? Your thoughts? I, I'm in total agreement with you. You know, for years now, we've called it, and it's a shame that we have to say for years, we've called it pockets of poverty. What we're doing now in the school district, we're focusing in, and we're, we've renamed that corridors of concern. And I'm going to tell you what we need. You were here, Hurricane Ivy. 19 days without power. This community rallied together like you've never seen before. That's what we've got to have. We've got to have citizen input. We've got to listen. We've got to take their concerns. We've got to take them seriously and put things into action. 
But this community, this entire community must get fired up like I'm getting right now and rally together to do what we need to do for those corridors of concern, whether that be more early learning opportunities, whether that be after-school tutoring, whether that be mentoring, uh, getting community members to come in, churches, civic organizations. Uh, it has to be our top priority because I, I listened to a lady yesterday talk, um, very moving here in our community. This is the generation that will take care of us. Mm-hmm. Now, my parents, your parents, they took, they did what they had to do so that we could take care of them. It is our responsibility right now to step back and do the same exact thing. And I'm calling on all 330,000 to get serious about it and let's get it done. Well, there's a lot of ways, you know, to access it, a lot of volunteer opportunities, a lot of service opportunities. It is, as you say, uh, well, as I'm saying, I think you're implying, uh, it's very easy to observe the problem and complain about the problem and say, well, it's too big or, you know, it's the parents' fault or whatever, whatever thing you say. I think the real question we all have to ask ourselves all the time is, you know, is there anything I can do and what more can I do? Because, uh, you know, if we don't do anything different, we won't get anything different, right? So, uh, Keith That's Leonard. Exactly right. Let's- Let's be part of the solution, Andrew. Absolutely. Uh, Keith Leonard is the Escambia County Superintendent for Public Schools. Uh, Keith, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. I know how deeply you care about our students, and I appreciate you working to educate them and teach them how to be better people every day. Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and we look for better things in the future, sir. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas to you. Take Uh, care. You bet. 724 here on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. Here's today's Strength for Life with your host, Pastor James C. Johnson. What is the purpose of life? This is a question that almost everyone asks themselves at some point. Some people would say their purpose in life is their children, while others would say their purpose in life is their spouse. However, not everyone has children and not everyone is married, so the answer has to be broader than that. The Bible's basic answer to what is the purpose for life is to give God glory in all that we do. And the primary New Testament way to give God glory is to be focused on speaking the message of Jesus Christ to our kids or to our spouse and really to anyone that we come in contact with. The purpose of this life is to lovingly and boldly explain the offer of eternal life through Jesus Christ. So let us be about our Father's business. That was James C. Johnson. He serves as the pastor of North Stone Baptist Church in Pensacola, Florida. For more Strength for Life, please visit our website, strengthforlife.church. Are you missing out? Affiliated Insurance is here to help. Nine million people are now eligible for low-cost health insurance. For some, much lower. Four out of five people pay $10 or less a month. Didn't qualify for assistance in the past year? You may now. Some people even qualify for plans as low as $0 a month. Why not you? Call 850-477-5840 to schedule an appointment with your Florida Blue agent today. Policies have limitations. Health insurance from Blue Cross and Blue Shield Florida, Inc. BBA Florida Blue. Did you know you can get your prescriptions for less at your local pharmacy? You can with GoodRx. It's the free app that can save you money on your medications. Just search for your prescription, choose the pharmacy and the price that works best for you, and then show your GoodRx coupon to your pharmacist at the drop-off counter. GoodRx works at over 70,000 pharmacies, including Walmart, Rite Aid, and Walgreens, and it works whether you have insurance or not. It's easy to save. Next time you drop off your prescription, check GoodRx. To start saving today, go to GoodRx.com. GoodRx is not insurance. 
Here are the News Radio 92.3 AM 1620 contest rules. You can win one prize per household per contest in any 30-day period, unless specified by individual contest rules. All prizes on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620 are non-transferable, non-redeemable for cash, or exchangeable for any other prize. News Radio 92.3 AM 1620 prizes must be redeemed within a 30-day period of winning. For a complete list of rules, visit NewsRadio92.3.com. More news, more talk with Markley Van Kevin Robbins on at 11, right after the Pensacola Expert Panel on News Radio 923. Informative, local, dependable. Making choices. Be honest. You can text me if you want to answer the question. What are you wearing when you picture yourself dancing to this song in the club? <laughs> what are you wearing and what is your hairstyle? 727 on News Radio 923. Jake's got traffic for us. Jake? Okay. Well, no major slowdowns or accidents to report. We do have uh, at North Alkanese and East Gregory Street downtown. The red light is blinking there at that intersection. Crews are on the scene, hopefully uh, repairing that. So just treat it as a four way stop. Until that happens, uh, West Jackson Street and New Warrington Road on the west side, we have a vehicle crash there at that intersection. Eastbound Gulf Beach Highway is backed up to Dog Track Road. Uh, and Blue Angel and Mobile Highway, that intersection is really congested. I'm not showing an accident, but it just seems to be slow going from all directions there. If you have any traffic info to report, let me know. 437-1620, call or text. You're listening to News Radio 923, informative, local, dependable. Thanks so much, Jake. David Wayne's in the newsroom with our headlines. David? House Republicans are expected to vote today to authorize an impeachment inquiry into President Biden. During a House Rules Committee hearing yesterday, Republicans uh, agreed that uh, Biden had benefited from foreign business dealings with it from his son, Hunter. The Federal Reserve will announce their decision today on interest rates. It'll be the last decision by uh, Fed policymakers for 2023. And in what appears to be the first step towards Terminators, Tesla has now revealed video of its new humanoid robot. Have you seen this? No. CEO Elon Musk shared a short video on X Tuesday night demonstrating Tesla's Optimus Gen 2 robot. The updated version appears more human, and the video shows the robot moving its neck, fingers, and hands more like a human. The end of the video shows the robot doing a little dance to demonstrate its mobility. Musk introduced the first Optimus robot back in 2021 and claimed at the time that it would one day eliminate dangerous, repetitive, boring tasks. I'm Mark Mayfield. And I'm, nope, all my horror stories are coming true. Oh, yeah, I'm watching I'm the sure video I'm sure it's the creepiest here. thing ever. It's got sensors. It knows where its arms are. It's, oh, oh. The whole, it's no, scary. No, no, no. As long as the dogs still bark at it, I'm uh, sort of okay, but... Give me a, um, a plasma rifle and uh, let me go. I'm just sorry. That's not, no, I'm not there. Too many movies. David, thanks so much for the update. So if you're a um, if you're a business and you're wanting to get the word out about your product, your service, your location, a change, whatever, um, and you want to do video, the way you used to do it is what? Well, you know, you'd call the TV station. They'd come out. They'd film a commercial, tell your story, and, you know, then you'd have the ability to use that, right? And if you wanted to go to a different TV station, go to, you know, call them. And you want to, nowadays, you know, you do a YouTube, you call somebody. No, just call Pelican Drones. Here's what happens. They will come out and they will help you understand, you know, I mean, help, they will understand what's the story you're trying to tell. And then they'll shoot video in the air if it's necessary, on the ground, whatever's the best way to tell the story. And then they will produce it for you. And then you will own it. 
And if you want to put it online, like on Facebook or on YouTube or Instagram, you can do that. Uh, you want different ones for no problem. Uh, you want to you know put a spot on TV, you can do that too. But the point is, you own it. They are a comprehensive video production company that can help you get the word out about literally anything. Pelicandrones.com. Check them out today. David Wayne will have your local news coming up next after Fox. Fox News. I'm Chris Foster. House Republicans plan a vote today on starting a formal impeachment inquiry into President Biden. Three committees have been investigating Biden family business deals. And they've uncovered some alarming facts. Speaker Mike Johnson on special report with Brett Baer, uh, Colorado Democrat Jonah Goose. This is being done at the behest of former President Trump. The president's son, Hunter Biden, subpoenaed to appear before Congress this morning. The Israeli military confirms the death of 10 more soldiers, including two senior officers in heavy fighting in Gaza. Nine were killed in a Hamas ambush in Gaza City. Israel says it's carried out 250 airstrikes in the last day. Hamas officials say those strikes caused 50 deaths. Pressure is growing on Israel to do more to protect civilians, with a UN General Assembly vote last night overwhelmingly calling for an immediate ceasefire. Fox's Jonathan Savage. Dow futures are up ahead of the opening bell on Wall Street. America's listening to Fox News. Good morning, 731 at News Radio 923, 45 degrees right now, partly cloudy skies in Pensacola. The murder trial is this week for former Baker Fire Chief. Brian Easterling, accused of killing a former friend and a Pensacola business owner. He raised his arm and he aimed that gun at the back of the head of Michael Evers as Mr. Evers was turned away from him. Channel 3 was in the courtroom yesterday. Prosecutors were making their case against Easterling, who allegedly shot and killed Evers inside Evers' body and repair shop Back in June of 2022, the shooting reportedly stemmed from a dispute over $25,000. Easterling expected to take the stand in his defense today. A prescribed burn is planned in the Jones Swamp area today. The area for that burn is located south of 98, west of Fairfield Drive, north of Gulf Beach Highway, and east of Blue Angel Parkway, and is approximately 92 acres. With the state legislative session now just one month away, leaders for the city of Pensacola and Baptist Hospital are in a negotiation for a letter of intent for the old Baptist Hospital campus rather than a full property donation agreement. Mayor D.C. Reeve says that'll give both parties more of a chance to determine any unanswered questions that remain, such as environmental issues. To be honest, it's not fair to Baptist or to the city to think that we would have all of those all completely figured out. Uh, by the time we would need to in terms of the, how it pertains to the legislative session. That being said, if we had to enter into a donation request today, we would ask that the city be indemnified uh, because there hasn't been enough time. Reeve says it will also keep taxpayers off the hook for potential unknown costs and in the event, in the event that they were not able to secure enough funding to demolish that property. A Florida high school being fined for allowing a transgender student to play on the girls' volleyball team. Uh, Monarch High School in Fort Lauderdale has now been fined over $16,000 and been hit with a one-year administrative probation for violating the state's Fairness in Women's Sports Act. The state says the school allowed a biological male to play on the women's volleyball team. State Education Commissioner Manny Diaz Jr. posted on social media applauding the swift actions and he said there needs to be consequences for violating the law. Florida's Attorney General says 
She's a Florida Gator, but she knows injustice when she sees it. We sent a subpoena to the committee demanding all communications related to the deliberations, documents showing compensation of members, and vote tallies, including who received access to those votes, who was present during the voting. Uh, Ashley Moody there, and she was. She says that her office is now launching an investigation into the college football playoff committee to see if any antitrust laws were broken. Florida State, of course, left out of that four-team playoff despite being undefeated and winning the ACC championship. It is 7.35 at News Radio 92.3. Let's get a look at our traffic on the fives with Jake. All right. The uh, intersection of North Alkanese and East Gregory Street downtown, the red light is blinking there at that intersection. Crews are fixing it. Uh, just treat it as a four-way stop until they get that repaired. West Jackson Street and North New Warrington Road on the west side. Vehicle crash there at that intersection. 98 westbound in Tiger Point. That light at Avalon Garcon Point is uh, starting to back up going westbound. Blue Angel and Mobile Highway, that intersection is really congested. Don't see an accident reported, but if you have eyes on that, let me know. 437 and 1620 and uh, i-10 east at pine forest exit really starting to back up headed uh, eastbound there uh, let me know traffic tip line 437-1620 you're listening to news radio 92.3 informative local dependable we are going to be seeing a cooler day today with temperatures around 62 degrees for your high mostly sunny skies overnight tonight temperatures dropping near 45 degrees for thursday 10 percent chance of a stray shower otherwise mostly sunny we will have highs reaching near 62 degrees breezy conditions moving in throughout the day thursday night temperatures dropping near 47 degrees for your friday mostly sunny skies high near 63 and friday night temperatures dropping near 52 this is brooke richardson from the first morning weather center 44 in pensacola 46 in gulf and 41 in Milton. Our next news at 8. Breaking news anytime. I'm David Wayne, News Radio 923. I'm Jennifer Koshenko with your Money Now. Netflix is finally revealing viewership statistics on nearly all of its shows and movies. The What We Watched report ranks almost all of Netflix's shows and movies by number of hours viewed over the past six months. Season one of The Night Agent, an original action thriller, was the streamer's most viewed show during the past six months, garnering 812 million viewing hours. The Mother, starring Jennifer Lopez, was the top movie. Prices are going up for passengers on cruise, uh, Carnival Cruise Line ships. Carnival is raising its Wi-Fi prices and hiking fees for various specialty restaurants. The Wi-Fi plan will increase from $15 per person per day when purchased on board to $18. The value plan will increase from $20 to $23. The premium plan will cost $25 up from $22. On Wall Street, features pointing to a higher open. After stocks closed moderately higher yesterday, the Dow Industrials gained 173 That's your money now. The Port of Pensacola is more than just a name. It's a powerhouse of economic opportunities, a strategic location that sparks growth and prosperity, contributing significantly to the local and regional economy with 23 incredible businesses that call this port home. Big names like C-Max Materials, GE Wind Energy, and soon the prestigious American Magic Sailing Team. Since 1754, the Port of Pensacola has been the driving force behind Northwest Florida's economic success. Explore more at portofpensacola.com. Let's be honest, nobody likes taxes, but they are necessary to maintain roads, support schools, and fund public services. Wouldn't it be great if someone else paid our taxes? In Escambia County, they do. 
Our beautiful community draws millions of visitors who spend over a billion dollars each year. The taxes they pay help lower the tax burden for locals. Tourism works for all residents and businesses in Escambia County. This message brought to you by Visit Pensacola. Hi, I'm Steve Taylor, and as I light my Hanukkah menorah, I'd like to wish everybody a happy Hanukkah. Also, a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. From all of us at News Radio 92.3. From all of us to all of you, Happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas. News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. There's been other established nonprofits that have that have taken issue because Tom works for the police, and that that somehow is adversarial. Um, I mean, I, I don't get it. You know, I think an attitude like that might have us where we are, and and I think where we want to go is all of us working together and trying to reduce homelessness try to get people off the street. So that was yesterday. Uh, Mayor of Pensacola, D.C. Reeves, doing the press conference. And kind of, uh, you know, mid to the end, we were talking about the new PPD mental health counselors that are working with them. And um, I don't know the backdrop here. I don't know the, really what's going on, but this doesn't sound like a particularly good thing. And so I was kind of curious to get more information about it. D.C. Reeves is the mayor of Pensacola, joins us now by phone. Mr. Mayor, welcome back to the Pensacola Morning News, sir. Morning, Andrew. How are you? Oh, man, I'm doing great. Doing doing good. Always doing good. And it's always good to talk to you. Uh, so I, what's going on? I thought that, I mean, adding mental health coordinators or counselors to PPD was like, yay, hallelujah. And now somebody or some organizations are not happy with this? Yeah, I mean, it, we've already gotten you – know, the question was, you know, how are things going with, you know, and what we said is generally great, but – you know, I've also been surprised or not surprised. Uh, I mean, imagine if someone, uh, you know, you had Keith Leonard on talking about early, uh, you know, kindergarten readiness. Yeah. Imagine if, if someone came to our community and said, we're going to help with kindergarten readiness. And our school district said, no, 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 you're, you're, you're not going to do that because I don't like where what university you went to. I don't like who hired you. I mean, imagine how sad of a state of affairs that would be yeah. You know, when we're all going with the same mission. That's my, you know, and so. 99% of our feedback has been positive, but, um, you know, there's this hint of adversarial uh, territorialism that's happening when we should all, I mean, should is there a subject in our community that we should all be more aligned on, which is helping people who need help to get off the street? I, I don't know. And so, um, so you know, that it's a, it's a speck of uh, frustration, obviously, as you can hear. And, and, yeah. Um, in the midst of what I think is a very good thing. Our second officer started... Uh, uh, started uh, the day before yesterday, so we will have our two officers up and going. And Tom, who's been in place now, has done a fantastic job. He's already integrated into the homeless reduction task force. Has been in part of all these conversations, and and you know he's really building his rolodex, so to speak, to make sure that uh, when he has outreach, that he able, he's able to get people to the right place. So 
Um, so again, I'm, we're not going to let that deter us from uh, what we think is a very, very good thing. And I'm, and I'm, I'm so appreciative uh, to have yet that many more resources uh, here to help reduce homelessness. In our- and and just just to clarify, we're not talking about some pervasive pushback from agencies that work with or uh, try to help the you know, mentally ill or the homeless. We're talking about a very small number or one or, you know, something yeah. like that. Is that right? That's, that's correct. But, but what I would say is it, it is a microcosm, and you've heard me mention in previous weeks, not so much with these particular uh, employees. But again, we're try- I really feel like the city, including with this tactic, is trying to break down these barriers, mm-hmm. silos of territorialism that really I think is pervasive throughout the whole process. And and so again, that, yes, in this case, it's 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 a very small sample size. Okay. But it's the type of attitude that I'm that we're generally seeing. Maybe not as extreme, saying, "Well, because you work for the police department, don't bring us people that are in need." I, I mean, that, to me, it's crazy. Uh, but it also what we hope is that we're trying to be part of the solution here. And and, and if it's kind of mind-boggling to me that that other folks within the same space wouldn't be really rowing in the same direction. Yeah, working separately has been producing the results we have. Let's try something else. Correct. Um, Correct. <laughs> I mean, I think that's you know that's the. You had a um a big conversation recently, a kind of a meeting that uh, had to do with, of course, the demolition or the what's going to happen at the uh, old Baptist Hospital property. We've had a lot of conversations about this, but I think part of that discussion was that you had somebody in from New Orleans to present on the Columbia Park at the Bayou District project that they have there, which I have looked a little bit at, looks amazing to me. It's a fabulous like neighborhood community design, uh, but I just wanted you to talk a little bit about this because if that's the kind of thing you're envisioning as a possibility, tell people what, what that's all about. Yeah, absolutely. So, yes, what, we had a meeting. We had some, uh, you know, some stakeholders in the community that have been part of this process with Baptists, you know, that have somehow played a role in this uh, smaller group. It's actually, the video is available uh, on our website, and we'll share, um, you know, through our proper media channels. Uh, so, you know, it was it was recorded, and, you know, of course, anybody can watch media was invited. Uh, but the goal was really this. James Lima, who was hired by Baptist to go do a lot of community engagement and give his expert opinion about what could happen at the site in 2021, 2022, uh, we had him present because, look, whether we do what Baptist was going to do or we don't, you know, that's a lot of valuable information that we should be taking into consideration. So right. James presented a lot of what he had found. And then I invited Jerry Bruce from the Bayou District Foundation, who took a eerily similar size uh, parcel, about 50 acres. Uh, and then they have more than 500 units. It's anchored by early childhood brain development, kindergarten readiness with Educare, um, as well as a K-8 school. Uh, that it, that that becomes the anchor of the, of the the whole site, and it's been very very successful. I believe he said he's had 123 communities come benchmark uh, their place. Wow! Um, and uh, when you hear about purpose built communities, that actually started in East Lake in Atlanta. Uh, Bayou District is believed to be the first replica of the original purpose built community, which means wraparound services are anchored by a university. Um, you know, where uh, and really be mixed income, which is what I really believe in, is that, you know, you have people who are in public housing living next door to people who are paying market rate, and you can't tell the difference in the condition of the place. It's not, hey, people who are uh, poor live in this side, and people who can pay market rate live on that side. That's not how Bayou District is designed. So 
Um, so it was and, really and even and, and for people who haven't seen like. it, even some structural stuff that's fascinating, like a kind of you know exterior facing, uh, uh, you know ta- townhome kind of style with behind parking and park actual space inside the blocks kind of stuff. It's like it's Correct. it's just really interesting as a look too. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and look, crime. Uh, this is one of the most crime riddled uh, neighborhoods in all of New Orleans. Uh, crime has gone down by ninety nine percent. Um, and, uh, it, it, you know, one quick anecdote that was interesting, Jerry mentioned, uh, he said when they, when they came to the city to design this, they talked to the chief of police at the time, right after Katrina, they said, well, you're obviously going to put a gate around this whole neighborhood, right? You know? <laughs> and he's like, no, absolutely not. That's not what we're going to do. You know? And, um, it just goes to show you how far they've come, uh, yeah. from when this was 134 public housing buildings into what they have now. So, um, so again, I, I really encourage folks to watch that video, and you can and they can talk about that. And so, uh, you know, I had some people reach out and say, "Well, are, is there going to be a chance for community to have feedback?" We we are many miles from that at this point. I, right. I'm I'm in the car on Interstate 10 right now, driving to Tallahassee to try to get the money to be able to even start this this conversation. So, uh, but what I really wanted to do is make sure as a community we kind of got our feet under us, understood what work has been done, and understood maybe a general direction that we may want to go. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to watching the video. I have not watched it, and just in case people are wondering, uh, you had invited me to go. I wasn't able to go to the actual meeting itself, but uh, I appreciate the invitation. We're talking to D.C. Reeves, the mayor of Pensacola. Uh, hang on for just a second, uh, D.C. we got traffic on the fives with Jake. North Alkanese and East Gregory Street downtown, that red light is uh, is not operating uh, properly, so just use caution going through that intersection. The Pea Ridge Highway 90 connector today, uh, that traffic light will be operational starting uh, here in about 15 minutes at 8 a.m. Well, they're going to be morning. working on it. They're going to be working They're going to be main- maintaining okay, it. Okay, all right. And uh, Highway 98 and Tiger Point starting to back up at Avalon, Garcon Point, and Blue Angel Mobile Highway. That intersection is really congested this morning, as well as I-10 eastbound at Pine Forest starting to back up. If you have uh, traffic tips, 437-1620, News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. Thanks so much, Jake. And also, the light at 87 and I-10 is going to become active this after, like sometime between 10 and 3 today. So just be aware. That's been blinking for a while, but just be aware. Uh, back to Mayor D.C. Reeves, who it's not his fault that the light downtown is flashing. <laughs> I know he probably, his eyes started twitching when he heard that report but that's just kind of the way these things go sometimes um let's talk a little bit about the malcolm young gym uh your plan had been demolition wouldn't be all that expensive i mean 50 grand's not cheap and probably more now that you got to rebid it but um as i understand it you're going to look at a survey to really make sure of what the cost would be to renovate what the cost would be to demolish what the possibilities are and if there is a rebuilt anything on that site, how to better use the land space so that we can maybe get some housing out of the deal in the end one way or another. Do I kind of have that right? Yeah, you do. And, and look, here, my stance was after about the $35,000 that we spent with the preliminary assessment, mm-hmm. that basically we saw enough to know what kind of condition it was in. Um, and then we had someone email us, and you know, you're, you're aware, you know, of course, Coach Washington, all the great work he does with the program, right. folks that were interested in, in trying to, again, privatize the building, which I really don't have interest in, regardless of what the cost ends up being. Um, but nonetheless, um, they said, well, hey, we've had someone look, you know, drive by it and say that they can, you know, they can fix it for this amount of money. Now, um, so uh, in the end, uh, you know, the decision of the CRA board is, is to say, all right, well, then, uh, you know, if if uh, the city's uh, outside engineer isn't putting a number on it and we had someone email us and say that they think you can do it for this, let's go get deeper answers. Now, those deeper answers are going to come at a significant cost. I, I expect that just the full structural assessment alone is going to be at least double the price of the demolition, if not more. 
Um, there's only a certain, for example, there's only a certain number of experts that still even know how to assess those old beans, yeah. uh, that those arches. Uh, so, I mean, I, I don't know that it, it, this is my opinion. I don't know that how, um, you know, how cost logical that is given what we already did pay someone to tell us. But uh, again, I said yesterday, you know, look, I respect the CRA board. It, that, this is the checks and balances of the government. If they want to be super triple sure, uh, that that there's significant damage that would not rationalize us, you know, having to uh, to demolish it. Then then certainly I, I respect that. So that's what we'll do. But um, I, I personally expect that that number is going to be coming in very very large. And remember, it's not just the structure. I mean, we would have to get it up to ADA compliance. We'd right. Have to get the electrical plumbing. I mean, there. Because once you renovate, number, ADA becomes the, mandatory, right? So yeah, co- no. correct. And and. And so, or the city shouldn't want to just reopen a facility that doesn't have those things, right? Right. So, of course. Um, so, and 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 look. And at the end of the day, if the cost came in as low as as being alleged that it would be, then great. Then the city would take it on, and we would we would bring it back to the public good. I mean, if it truly was a nominal amount, and I'm wrong about that, and our engineers are wrong about that, so then it, great, feel, it, then we'll, it feels like it feels like we're going to try to spend the city, the council is going to spend a hundred grand. In order to, on the the wish hope that we can get a really cheap alternative that's going to satisfy all of our hopes and dreams and keep the the, uh, the the place that we all want to keep, and what's more likely to happen is that we're going to spend hundred grand to find out that it's way too expensive to do and we're going to wind up dem- demolishing anyway um, is what it seems like to me. But I, you know, that's look, that's you have elected officials to make decisions, and you know, that's that's why you have their powers, and not your powers. That's the separation of powers. Um, and Andrew, and Andrew, one other thing on that, you know, remember. Whatever that cost comes back at, whether it's cheaper than we thought, more expensive than we thought, you have to compare that to at least 14 affordable homes up to 20 into the 20s and 30s. So now you have another decision that made is, would you like to restore a 62-year-old gymnasium or would you like to have 25 or 30 affordable units? What, right. What's in greater need in our community? So and you like, mentioned that. Doesn't that yeah. not really approach that yet. Yeah. So, so anyway, I, you know, I, there's still a lot to unpack, but again, we'll, we'll, we'll do what the CRA board wants to do and we'll... We'll take a look at that and go from there. Well, I, I will say this. I think, you know, my fear is that because you've been so thorough about trying to find, you know, old dilapidated things that are not really safe and how much it's going to cost to repair them, you've kind of wandered yourself into the public perception that, well, he's the tear down and destroy guy. I think unfairly, but that's the perception. And then people have this emotional attachment to that particular facility. And if somebody comes in and says, no, 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 wait, we can save it, you know, it's it's just it's a it's a probably a perception hard sell to get the community yeah. to say oh well we could have you know affordable housing and that's cheaper and that's a better fit for our needs in our city and you know I'm just you know and you know this I'm just you know it seems like that's going to be a, a challenge that you're going to run into. Yeah. Um, I agree. I, I did want to always like to end with a uh, the lightning round you know quick questions to get a little bit of fun out of it. Uh, first question is um, is Ashley Moody right and should the CFP be sued uh, because of the debacle with FSU? <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm going to say to this, uh, you know, because I because my opinion defies logic at this point. My my anger defies logic. So, right. Um, you know, so absolutely, absolutely, I support it. If nothing else, let's see the balance. I just, I, you know, that's what I'd like to see. I agree. I'm, I'm guessing that's what the mechanism is here. Yeah, and the voting machines. I think it's funny that she's looking for election fraud in this. It's kind of interesting. That wasn't really my lightning round, but that's one. I just wanted to get you on the record on it. Um, <laughs> if you had the opportunity to live in a subdivision right next to Clark Griswold, yes or no? 
Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, why not? Why not? I mean, definitely entertaining. Just no RVs allowed. That's right. Know, no cousin Eddie. I think that's got to be the rule. You got a tough HOA in enforcement. Um, when you eat or prepare a sandwich, do you cut it or eat it whole? And if you cut it, how do you cut it? Uh, oh no, no, no. I'm. Um, we just. I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> you know, we, I, we we make it. Two pieces of bread. Let's roll. You know. All right. Also, also for the the children, same. Uh oh no. Then I, I go diagonal. If I if, if if cutting is required, I go diagonal. All right, Jake's happy to hear that. Uh, yes, last la- last question for you. Um, I also did not know this was even a controversy, but TikTok teaches us all things these days. When you're taking a shower, face toward the shower head or face away from the shower head. Is, uh, toward right? Is is it a controversy? <gasps> uh, you're the weirdo. Uh, oh, am I? Am I? <laughs> I don't know. That's it's going to be our frivolous topic for today, though. So I'm glad to have you as a dissenting oh, voice. I, well, man, now, now I'm second guessing myself. Well, I, I just, you know, know, generally speaking, I don't seek to voluntarily self waterboard. That's why I face away. But you know, you do what you want to do. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm trying to wake up. I'm trying to wake up, Andrew. <laughs> Mayor DC Reeves, always a pleasure to talk to you, sir. Please drive safely. Uh, have a good, productive time in Tallahassee. A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We'll talk to you again real soon. All right, guys, thanks. 7.55 on News Radio 92.3. Oh, I know this is going to be a good one today. That's that's going to be our frivolous topic for the day. Jake's got traffic on the fives. Jake? I cannot wait. Um, I-10 East at Pine Forest exit. We have an accident. They are really starting to uh, back things up there. Uh, two things to remember today. The light at 87 and I-10 will be getting repairs starting at about 10 a.m. this morning to about 3. And the P-Ridge Highway 90 connector traffic light will have um, repairs done on it starting here in about five minutes. Uh, North Alconies and East Gregory Street downtown, that red light is not operating uh, properly this morning, so be careful of that intersection. And uh, 98 westbound in Tiger Point, the light at Avalon Garson Point starting to back up. Uh, if you see anything out there slowing you down, let us know. 437-1620, News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. The Volkswagen Sign and Drive event wraps up the year at Pete Moore Imports. And that means with zero down payment, zero due at signing, zero security deposit, and zero first month payment, you can lease the 2024 Volkswagen Atlas, Atlas Cross Sport, Tiguan, or Taos at Pete Moore Imports today. It's never been easier to bring a shiny new Volkswagen home for the holidays. All you have to do is just sign your name. There's no down payment, no security deposit, nothing due at signing, and no first month payment. How much easier could it be? Just sign your name and you'll be driving a 2024 Atlas, Atlas Cross Sport, Tiguan, or Taos home today. And as the new year comes to close, Pete Moore Imports wishes everyone a very Merry Christmas and a happy holiday season. Pete Moore Imports is not in Car City, so you won't pay Car City prices. Speedmore Imports is at 106 New Warrington Road, Pensacola. For highly qualified customers through Volkswagen Credit, zero first month payment up to $900. Offer ends January 2nd, 2024. See dealer for details. Hi, this is Darren Costello from Costello's Butcher Shop and Deli, Fine Wine and Cheeses. We carry a wide variety of selections of meats, cheeses, and wines. If you're looking for some fine cuts of meats, ask Dale. Talk to Justin. Talk to Darren. We're here for you and your holiday needs. From turkeys and hams and cheeses and meats, we have it all. Looking to give back this season? Ask about the Kimberly Tower Foundation. Come in and talk to Christy Costello or Danielle. Please be sure to stop in and visit us here at Costello's for all your holiday needs this season. Happy holidays. Looking for unique and one-of-a-kind gift ideas this holiday season? Look no further. Berman Proper, an amazing gift shop nestled in Gulf Breeze Proper, has a wide selection of gifts, custom engraving, and local products. 
They also have one of the largest selections of coastal Christmas ornaments and decor that you need to see. Prim and Proper has gifts for everyone on your list, including yourself. Prim and Proper is located in your neighborhood Walmart shopping center in Gulf Breeze Proper and online at priminproper.com. Gulf Coast businesses are estimated to lose over $100,000 to email scams. I'm Nathan with Data Revolution, and this is your cybersecurity tip of the month. It's the season of giving, but criminals know you are more likely to click a malicious link if it looks like a good deal. Be wary of all marketing emails, and your bank account will thank you. Businesses along the Gulf Coast trust Data Revolution for their cybersecurity and communications needs. Google Data Revolution Pensacola for more information. Pensacola right now from 4 till 7 right before Dave Ramsey on News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. Parker, I'm your mother. Mothers don't lie to their sons. Now go wash your hands or Santa's not going to bring you anything for Christmas. Everybody made it home for Miss Desperate Housewives. That was a really good show. David Wayne is in the newsroom with our headlines. David? The Department of Education launching a probe into six colleges over alleged ethnic discrimination on campus. Yesterday, the uh, Education Department said Stanford, UCLA, Rutgers, UC San Diego, University of Washington, and Whitman College were all now under investigation. Yeah, very interesting. You also had uh, Rutgers, the first public school to kick that activist group off of campus that's uh, basically in favor of Hamas. And Rick Scott, who was on our show earlier this morning, calling for legislation to defund institutions that take any government funding that do not do enough to clamp down on anti-Semitism. 92.3, 95.3, and AM 1620. News Radio 92.3, WNRP, Golf Breeze, Milton, Pensacola.